Welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, the podcast for embedded Linux developers. Hi, uh, today we're starting a podcast series about real time. And I'm, I'm Gene Sally, and I'm here with uh, Machi Halash. Hello. And uh, we have a couple uh, podcasts uh, planned out. Uh, just to talk about this topic, we get a lot of uh, questions that come in from our customers and prospects and other folks out there in the embedded world about real time. And so when we wanted to start out uh, to talk about the topic, we're going to touch on the, the meta issues behind real time, things like people's perception about real time, what it is and what they think it is and why they think it's important to them. We're going to hit on some ter- terminology. Um, there's a lot of uh, technical words that have disguised themselves as plain English that deal with uh, real time. And we're going to get into... Uh, some misunderstandings uh, that usually arises out of the misinterpretation of those regular English words that mean special things to folks to folks who do real time, and if we have uh, if we have time at the end of today's webinar, jeez uh, podcast. I'm sorry, I've been doing webinars a lot. Uh, at the end of today's podcast, we'll we'll also talk about some of the changes that happened in the Linux kernel uh, to implement some of the real time uh, concepts uh, that that we're going to talk about. Yes, so this is actually a very nice laid out uh, agenda for for today's um, podcast. Well, but, we planned uh, like what five minutes before. We planned for five minutes, yeah. right? But um, as as you said, we see a lot of interest uh, today in um, real time uh, in Linux, and, and I'm kind of like making the quotes on quotes around real time because um, there's again a perception issue and there's a, a needs issue, but nevertheless. Um, there is a lot of development going on around um, real-time area of Linux kernel, and uh, because this is such a um, large topic, I mean, we, we we can talk about it for at least a couple of hours. Uh, oh, easily. We've decided to divide that into several sections. So sure. we plan on uh, touching upon some other topics next time. Um, primarily, we're probably going to talk about um, uh, what what are the new enhancements in the latest Linux kernels and how they do apply to what um, you customers, um, our listeners, are trying to do with um, the Linux kernel. And, but hopefully today's podcast is going to provide that uh, baseline for um, the next one. Sure. Well, I guess let's start out and get let's at least decide on the word. I, I wouldn't call it cracking a myth or a misunderstanding, but it is important to get right out there. Real time doesn't mean fast. It doesn't mean as it happens. It doesn't mean high throughput. Uh, when you talk about real time systems, real time means predictable. And uh, that is a common misconception uh, because people have certain throughput requirements from their system. They, they come to us or to other vendors and they look for something that's real-time, when that's probably not really what they want. Right. So, uh, in other words, real-time does not mean fast. Real-time means, as you said, something that executes uh, in a very predictable way. Um, so we can probably speak about specific application or an example where you have, let's say, a control um, application in, a, in a, some sort of uh, um, factory that controls a robot. Um, mm-hmm. What you want to have, um, the functionality that you, that you want to get out of uh, real-time Linux, um, would be more of uh, how f- how accurately the robot's arm is moving to a specific location on time, rather than how fast that arm is moving. Mm-hmm. Right, 
And um, I, I think that there are different... Well, I didn't understand that. You did not? No. Okay. Well, you I'm did. I'm trying. But... <laughs> See, I wrote off the script for the beginning part that talked about what the definition of real time was, but... Well, that's, that's the beauty of podcasts. We yeah. get to talk about stuff. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think that um, one division and terminology that I would like to make here is t- something that we noticed and heard from, of course, uh, both professionals in the real-time space, but also um, customers that are new to uh, real-time. Mm-hmm. The division uh, to uh, soft real-time and hard real-time. Oh, yeah. And, and that's a, a big um, kind of point because I, I think that most of the applications that... Um, customers design today fall into a soft real-time bucket, if, if at all. Um, and on that note, since we're already talking about soft and, and hard real-time, um, I don't think that Linux can be, well, I know that Linux cannot be classified as hard real-time. It, it, it can be well, one of the soft real-time. Bias is, uh, um, I'll hold your feet to the fire for this one, but go for it. you snuck in technical terms there. So soft real-time means exactly what? Okay, so soft real-time means that um, application is going to perform uh, to its best possible um, uh, case, best effort, in other Mm -hmm. words, right? There's no guarantee um, that a specific task is going to complete um, every single instance um, at a particular deadline. Okay. Uh, there are so many variables inside the Linux kernel as an operating system, which is today, as everybody probably knows, pretty large. I mean, functionality-wise, and th- there are a lot of mechanisms that are executing during normal operation that um, those different mechanisms have influence on um, end-user application. Um, that's precisely what real-time patches and enhancements to Linux kernel try to control better yeah. and provide that control to end-user. Nevertheless, that's not a guarantee, hard guarantee, that um, a specific task thread application is going to reliably execute at a specific interval or as, well, designed by an engineer. Um, so on the other hand, um, the hard real-time, just, just to contrast, compare, um, is really a guaranteed worst-case scenario. Um, so um, this kind of approach perspective is used in applications that are, well, critical to a person's life, health, um, heart monitors, um, um, airplanes, most likely. Yeah. Um, but, but again, as far as Linux is concerned, hard real-time um, does not apply. Okay. Okay. Well, th- well, thanks. Do you agree? No, no, I, I agree completely. That, that's a, a perfect definition there. Because um, you're right. I mean, if you're running your robot arm and uh, and it misses a deadline, you can always make up for it in the next cycle. Uh, as long as anything safety critical could could happen, you still have adjustment time. But if you're running the robot that's that's you know adjusting the wings on an airplane, there really isn't another interval for you to make it. Right. So. Absolutely. So uh, if you get one car out of a batch of 1,000 that does not run well, that's acceptable. Whereas if the heart monitor stops uh, because of missed deadline and a patient dies, well, consequences are great, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, there's life and limb involved at at that point, too. Well, the other other little terminology bit that we get uh, all the time is latency. And that's... 
uh, latency is almost like speaking of cars. Late, uh, the word latency is almost like the word car, right? Okay. Because it has so many different potential meanings, right? right. And it can encapsulate so many different ideas because there's so many different kinds of latency. Right. And it's really interesting because, uh, again, you have. I, I, I sort of feel bad. I, I don't sort of feel bad. I actually feel bad, right? Because mm-hmm. people will call in. Uh, and they will be so confused because they've dealt with n many number of vendors with n many number of agendas to push, which have their own definite definition of latency, and uh, it's sometimes I don't think it really even helps. I think these vendors don't really care too much about helping these understand what latency is, but they put some number in front of them and say we have the lowest latency something right. for a certain type type of activity, and therefore we're better. Exactly, and, and I think that a lot of customers, well, um, when they when they look at the kernel and they have a perception that they require real time, they look at latency as as a um, as a measure of real time. As a measure of real timeness, exactly. Yep. And, and um, well, so let's try to tackle that topic for for a second now, and let's talk about different types of lat- latencies that really do exist in the next kernel. Well. We can probably not mention. We, we cannot mention all of the latencies possible, but the most important ones. Are but latency in general. Let's pretend like Linux kernel doesn't exist. Okay. But latency in general is the time distance. But is the time distance between when you expect something to happen and when it actually happens. Is that a valid definition? It's a perfect. Va- okay. Definition. I just want to make sure we're talking about the right, the, the same thing, because yeah. you know, the same concept applies to n many number of operating systems or concepts and whatever else. But So I just want to lay the groundwork there and just say that's what latency means. Well, and in our world where time actually moves forward, um, well, the... Uh, yeah, you haven't been antique shopping with your wife. <laughs> well, <laughs> time exactly. stops there. <laughs> right now. Well, but um, you, you cannot have a system where you have zero uh, latency. Okay. Uh, there, there's always some sort of latency, but, but you can always minimize them and... Uh, uh, even the measuring of uh, timestamp takes time, so that introduces an overhead that itself drives latency. But uh, let, let's talk about a uh, couple of primary latencies that, that, that we know of or at the most commonly mentioned or talked about. So there is an interrupt latency. Okay. Right? Interrupt latency, scheduler latency, oh my God. and a Linux more. kernel latency. Wow. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, I'd like to uh, put on table those three, and let's talk about uh, those three first. Sure. Um, so interrupt latency, right? Uh, that's the time interval, according to your definition, mm-hmm. from when an interrupt is raised till when the interrupt service routine starts running. Oh, or, wait a w- second. When so pre- precisely interrupt is raised means so whenever the hardware, so whenever some hardware device raises a, you know, raises the, um, the power Level. on a certain line, yeah. right? So a line comes up. And says, "Okay, I'm now powered, and I represent an interrupt has occurred." That is, you're measuring this is between when that line goes active, and whenever a call comes into the kernel, or whenever a call is handled by the kernel. Whenever call, well, so you can measure the two both numbers. Okay. the The procedure would be different, right? Because um, if you measure uh, the uh, latency from when the signal is raised on the line and when the kernel starts running. You do that with other hardware like oscilloscopes mm. or, or some sort of uh, um, device that can measure time intervals yeah. right, between yeah, yeah. consecutive uh, peaks on a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, the latency that you can measure, measure in a Linux kernel 
is really from uh, when the uh, interrupt is raised okay. inside the kernel okay. till when the interrupt service routine starts running. Okay. And then when you mean interrupt service routine, I think in Linux, and this at least in 2.6, I might be back in 2.4 land, right? There's the dif- it differentiates between what they call the top half and the bottom half of the interrupt handler, which is probably worth talking about a little bit just to understand the, the latency concept. Because there are differences with respect to what's considered uh, you know, how, how uh, well, I want to say how unsoft your soft real-time system is. But in there, you get a, you can introduce some latencies, and you can also really screw up your system timing depending upon how you do your, your NR paneling. Well, so it's a good point, but I think that um, the latency touches, again, that, that just shows how complex that topic is. But latency touches... Uh, the time interval when the interrupt is raised till when the interrupt service routine is starting to run. Okay, okay. How it is executing, that is going to drive the, the, the execution of the actual interrupt. But okay. And that, as you said, can be executed in bottom half, can be executed as a dedicated kernel thread, or can be executed within the context of uh, a, a hard interrupt itself. Okay. The difference is going to be, again, a trade-off of performance, meaning throughput, versus um, control, um, well, being able to control other threads. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah got it. Um, wow, that, that, that one was a tough one. <laughs> well, because there are so many different uh, angles that you can look at it, right? Um, yeah, and I guess the, the, the other important part, uh, so we get, I get this from poor folks all the time that have been through the through the real-time mill, whatever you want to call mm. it, uh, they look and they look at the lowest latency number. And it's really curious because in a real-time system, the lowest latency number is as uninteresting as the highest latency number. Right. Um, it really isn't a gauge. Neither one tells you about the predictability of the system. And remember, real-time is about predictable performance, not fast performance. So users will come in and say, hey, there's this interrupt latency is pick some number microseconds. And therefore, this is better than some other interrupt latency that is pick some other minimum number of microseconds. And there's a lot of explaining to the customers that it's not the minimum, right, but it's the uh, sort of average latency that you're going to run across. So what or you, more what appropriately, you're talking sometimes about, even the maximum latency. So what you're talking about is actually a, a Linux kernel latency, I think. Yes, yeah. And that takes into account all or a number of different latencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that um, the latency number is important to some applications, um, especially those where um, the time interval of how quickly you can handle certain um, actions is of an importance because the latency might not help, but it might describe um, the the um, influence on customer application, right? But still, the worst case is probably more important or more interesting than the best case, right? Because you have to, in doing your work, you have to plan for the worst case latency. Well, you're falling back into a trap of hard real-time versus soft real-time, right? Because measuring hard or worst case latency is never going to be possible. You can provide an average latency that you've measured over a certain period of time but you cannot guarantee that that's going to be the worst-case latency. Aha. Uh-huh. And hence is the thinking between a soft real-time engineer and a hard real-time engineer. Precisely. Um, 
So let's let's talk about the. Yeah, I know I threw you off track. There's the other kind of latency we have oh, to look into. I, that's why I have my own little uh, list of things that I wanted to mention. <laughs> um, so after the um, interrupt latency comes the uh, duration of uh, um, interrupt handler. Right. So yeah. what whatever it takes as far as CPU time is concerned to execute code associated with a specific interrupt. Mm -hmm. After which. Um, there comes scheduler latency, which is time interval from when a task is um, uh, when the scheduler starts running till when it schedules the an actual um, task to run. Mm -hmm. um, that is that is really not very specific to a hardware that you run on. I mean, it is from a standpoint of how fast the hardware is. But um, unlike with the interrupts where you can control some of the behavior by pushing the execution uh, the, or ISR into bottom half versus executing it within the interrupt context, um, you, um, you don't have that level of control over scheduler latency. Um, and that's, a, that's something that you get with a specific implementation and... Um, in 2.6 Linux kernel, um, I think the concept that we want to talk, if not today, then uh, perhaps next time, is the new scheduler implementation. Well, let's stop for a second, too. And uh, um, let's just stop for a second, because we brought up the idea of the this, this scheduler thing. Mm -hmm. And let's pretend I have no idea what that is, um, which is, I probably will have a very undifficult time right, convincing someone of that. But when you're talking about a scheduler, in Linux, a scheduler is the piece of software that picks the thread that runs next. Is that, a, is that an accurate way of describing that? That is, yeah, well, it is. It's, it's basically uh, a guardian that has a queue of tasks or a queue of people for comparison that says, you can run now, you can run now, you stop, you run next. Mm -hmm. And so, so what happens is this scheduler is sitting in the kernel, and it's responsible for making sure that, well, let's say this, but it's responsible for making sure that tasks are run for some amount of time. And I think what happens, because one of my big mysteries, as I was, is, well, how does a scheduler know when to stop a task from running, right? Because, <laughs> right, here's my big mystery. I was looking through the kind of thing, oh, that's really nice. So it sets something to a runnable state, and it lets it go, and it lets it run. Well, that's a good point, because um, there are different, different, Times that where scheduler comes into play during the normal execution of yeah. uh, Linux kernel, where mm -hmm. it looks at the runnable queue, and again, runnable queue is a queue of tasks that are ready to run. Mm -hmm. um, so, for the real-time system, it is important for a scheduler to be able to look at the runnable queue quite often, not too often, because that might add an overhead, but mm -hmm. often enough to uh, really evaluate if there is a higher priority task ready to run in a queue, which would make the scheduler save the context processor and memory context of the current process mm -hmm. and then start that higher priority task instead. So inside the scheduler thing, there are certain heuristics for it to figure out what to run next. Mm. And more appropriately, a real-time Let's say, a, let's say a schedule that's designed for a real-time system will have a different implementation to figure out 
what runs next. It'll do things a lot different than a system that might be optimized for, for throughput. I think that schedulers in general, they all behave in a very similar way. They, they do have implementation of a specific scheduling algorithm. Uh-huh. There's a round-robin algorithm. There's a first-in, first-out algorithm. So depending on a scheduling policy, what it's called, scheduler mm-hmm. schedules different tasks to run on a CPU. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's where you get into There's, I, I know, that too, there's another implementation out there that I think that was introduced just recently. It was called the Completely Fair Scheduler. Mm-hmm. And there was an article on Kernel Trap, and I was reading that trying to absorb exactly what the Completely Fair Scheduler did uh, compared to, let's say, the standard Linux scheduler. So le- le- let's leave, actually, Maybe the talk scheduler for one of our next podcasts because this is a very interesting topic, and I think that we're getting a bit off the oh. main... Yeah. idea, main thought of introducing some of the um, nomenclature yeah. for real time. So, yeah, okay. let's, let's finish up latency first. Yeah. Um, well, one of the, one of the, I know when we were, like I said, in the, in the five minutes we, we, we prepped for our, our podcast, I know we were talking about not only the scheduler, but one of the attributes about a scheduler that's important is how fast it operates. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things you talked about was scheduler latency and also scheduler overhead. And one of the things in a real-time system you want is a minimum scheduler latency and a minimum scheduler overhead. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the, the things that were introduced into the into the Linux thing was what they call the O1 scheduler. Um, and that's a little bit of terminology that, I don't know, if yeah. folks that have been out there that have done computer science are like, oh, yeah, the Lambda thing, I know about right. that. I mean, yeah. But what that says for you know, for folks that are getting are new to the subject is, you know, O1 means it's constant time. Mm-hmm. So that means the time to pick the next task to run is the same no matter how, how many tasks there are to run, uh, which is uh, a trick, right? I mean, that, that is a little bit of a coding trick to make sure that you're not paying a big overhead to figure out what task to run next. And so if you have a system with a bunch of things running, uh, you're not going to run in a lot, into a lot of scheduler latency or scheduler overhead. Well, and, the, and I think that part of the reason why it's important from... Uh user that wants real-time behavior, the O1 schedule with the constant time um, approach is that you um, can measure the time in constant intervals, meaning you look at all the tasks within the same boundaries. Mm -hmm. You don't have to look at one task that is running in a different time domain versus task B that is running in yet another different time domain, right? Because then scheduling the two would be uh, very non-deterministic. Yeah. Um, so, O1 scheduler, the constant time um, scheduling approach is, is well, very important to real-time applications and users. Um, so, uh, I think that we, we talked a bit about the scheduler. Scheduler itself takes some time to schedule a specific uh, task to run, mm-hmm. but the, the sum of um, interrupt latency, what, uh, the time interval that it takes to execute the interrupt, the uh, schedule latency, and sched- the time that it takes to schedule a specific task, that's what, uh, in well, most cases or that, I, that I've seen, is called the kernel latency. Mm-hmm. So that time from when an interrupt is raised till when a specific task gets to run in a user space. Mm-hmm. Is called the kernel latency. Okay. Because that's that's the interval of time that um, your application thread gets delayed by when mm-hmm. an interrupt is 
raised. Okay. Right? So that's something that is you don't have a control of because interrupts the you can't really control when they arrive. That's how they are designed to mm-hmm. be very asynchronous. But um, they have very much impact on your application when you when you try to execute something at the highest priority. Well, that brings us to another little bit of terminology that that that's that uh, you, you hear thrown about, and that's priority inheritance. And that's a classic one, and that has to do with. It's very interesting. I mean, that's some kind of well, I shouldn't say something, about it, but it's a union between scheduling and priority um, that that occurs. And then it's it's cousin. It has a little cousin there, and its cousin is usually priority inversion. Mm. And those two terms they, they sort of go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, I said they're they're related, but not uh, strictly so. And they they have to do with. Uh, the scheduler picking tasks to run so that high priority tasks are blocked for a minimum amount of time, right? And that concept of a minimum of a lower priority task blocking a higher priority task is called priority inversion. And uh, there are some well, but on that topic, so uh, I'm sorry to interrupt oh, you in a how you sentence. The um, priority inversion is not. Um, uh, of a problem itself, but unbounded priority inversion. Oh, that's that's probably causes, a better way of saying yeah, that. Yeah, causes a bit of uh, hiccup. Yeah, you yeah. see, so right? That's that's good because you're right. I was uh, some semi off on the wrong track there because priority inversion is a, is natural. Yeah, uh, it's a natural part of a, a system. Uh, but you're but it, it, you're a trick. The, the trick is not necessarily not having priority inver- inversion, but minimizing the amount of priority inversion uh, that 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 occurs. And that and that happens through this uh, technique that's called priority inheritance yeah. uh, that you typically see in in, in real time systems. And, and I think that priority, I, 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 well, now I'm I mix the two terms myself. Yeah, <laughs> priority inversion um, comes into play, or we, we've seen actually it messing up with a number of applications um, in the past because um, the most common. Um, the most common, um, well, the, the way people would perceive it in an actual application is that um, a highest priority thread would never get to run. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a, what's called a starvation, right? Yeah. Because the um, highest priority task would never get uh, any of the CPU time because of a lower priority task um, consuming most of it. And how does it happen? Well. Uh, it happens because in most situations, um, uh, a medium priority task is involved, and medium priority task and low priority task hold the same uh, lock on a specific um, mutual section resource, resource. resource right. and, and, and medium priority task cannot complete its um, um, desired job because low priority task has to first quit the um, mutual exclusion mm-hmm. and if high priority task is waiting on another resource that medium priority task is um, holding at the time that's when you get to that starvation situation so let's, uh, let's just be I don't mean to be pedantic here but let's just define for for a second priority inversion just so we can get it out on, on the table uh-huh. so priority inversion is whenever a Higher priority task cannot execute more appropriately. Does not execute because there is a resource. Typically, there is a resource contention by a lower priority task mm-hmm. that's inhibit that that 
so there's a, uh, it's a it's a sort of a type of a race condition, right? Those out there. So it's a, this race condition where this low priority task is uh, holding on to some resource that a high priority task needs, and as a result, the high priority task can't run. Um, and then so that's priority inversion, mm-hmm. and the I wouldn't say the fix, right? But the the way of resolving that sort of contention is to do priority inheritance. Mm-hmm. And that is to let the lower priority task run at the same priority as the waiting task so that it finishes sooner to relinquish that resource and therefore to reduce the amount of time the priority inversion occurs. Right. Is that, that's probably that's the most pretty, coherent pre- thing pretty, I've said all, <laughs> all week. Pretty good definition, Gene. Okay. A- and uh, the unbounded priority inversion happens when... Um, higher priority tasks that do not require um, a resource that low priority task ho- is holding okay. preempt the lower priority task. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's when the unbounded aspect situation comes into can play. occur. And, and, and that will, of course, defer the execution of highest priority um, task in the system by that delta time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, one of the things I, I guess I just wanted to mention that I know we've been using this generic term called a resource. But most of the time when we've seen these sort of issues uh, in implementation, so to take a second to get out of the dumb, but when you see these implementation, you see something like a mutex that, uh, or a lot, you know, it's, it's a mutex that a couple different tasks are using for, synch- or for synchronization so they don't stomp on each other. Mm-hmm. And that's typically where you find that problem. Or there are sometimes you can have critical sections that, um, that other threads are bouncing into and waiting to enter. Um, uh, and that's where you see those sorts of problems. I, 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 I know it's um, something that you deal with a lot. I just wanted to give a good concrete example so yeah. people can understand. Absolutely. Uh, some po- folks are a bit more concrete. Yep. Priority inheritance is one of the protocols that are most desired today um, by real-time application designers. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is a value that they want to um, take benefit, benefit of. Um, yeah. Before we actually um, end today, today's podcast and again we we were flagged that we're kind of like running out of time and dear listeners we don't want to bore you to death with a very very lengthy podcast but um, just wanted to mention some sources of latencies that that are most common um because that's that was our primary topic today and uh, i'm sorry i got off track no no it's it's all good (laughs) um but um very often we see um latencies show up in a system when interrupts are disabled. Uh, If, for example, a new device driver is uh, written for a new device and within the scope of a device driver, um, interrupts are disabled and then enabled, it's basically kind of like um, turning off and on um, the time counting inside the Linux kernel, which means that all the threads that rely on that time counting and rely on scheduler to preempt at appropriate times, all those actions are never going to happen. Ah, so, because one of the important things, I guess, to bring up is that Linux does generate a scheduler interrupt, mm. right? So it gets back to my thing. I, I think I got this distracted on, um, and maybe maybe it actually segue, is that the scheduler itself is, is interrupt-driven, right? Mm-hmm. There is a interrupt that's, that's raised in order... For the scheduler to begin executing, to figure you know to interrupt whatever's currently running out in user land and to pick the next thing, and you're right. I mean, c- people will very 
I, I don't think it's a. I think it's more out of practice, out of old practice. Won't think that they're actually stopping the system nearly completely uh, uh, while they're doing that interrupt disabling. And so, if you know, it's good, I guess, if you're doing beginning development. But the the key is to uh, be respectful of what's going on and to only mask the interrupts that you don't want called opposed to all of them. I mean, you can do that if you want. It's definitely your system. But uh, uh, you shouldn't if you if you really care or real-time is, is important to you. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree. I, I think that really we are running out of time, and uh, I'm looking at my list, and we have at least five or six more areas of uh, that we can talk about as sources for latency. So why don't we just... Uh, leave this particular topic for the next podcast and start with that next time so that well thank you very much for your attention um if uh, you have any questions or comments please uh let us know we are very much interested in in your opinion um send us emails to podcast at timesys.com yeah we get a ton of emails after every uh after every uh, podcast and we try to do our best to to respond um so yeah let us know i think they redesigned our web page and before there used to be a link at the bottom you could click on and leave your comments and we found that people preferred to send us email opposed to send uh, comments mm-hmm. so um, um, and it's not, that's not there anymore if you have if you feel the urge to do it that way you, you have mm-hmm. to send us email now uh, we understand that the topic that we're tackling right now is uh, a bit complex um, and so as we go through it uh, and it's going to take us probably two or three podcasts to really cover areas that we want. Please do let us know what interests you uh, around real time in, in particular, and we'll make sure to cover that during one of our podcasts. Yeah, that would be really helpful because I, I know we can talk about what we did from you know customer experience and our own you know uh, time doing engineering and whatever else, but none of that is as helpful as as someone letting us know what they're trying to tackle to give us uh, uh, their perspective on on what they find important. So. By all means, drop us a line at uh, podcast at timesys.com and we'll do our best to, uh, to talk to what you're working on. So, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. This podcast was brought to you by Timesys. Check out our new site to get free code, discuss, and learn about embedded Linux development. Go to timesys.com today.